Good evening, good evening, good evening, and happy holidays to holidays to everyone. We are now um, at the last part of our celebrating authors this holiday season. This is Hezekiah L. Montgomery, host of The Man in the Mirror, along with my co-host, Nichelle Johnson. And we've just been having a great month this season. Past month, we are actually on our fourth author. <clears throat> excuse me, of this month, December fourth, we had Miss Kimia Scott. December eleventh, we had Miss Ebony Trust. December eighteenth, we have Miss Shani uh, McElwain. And now, heading up the end of this exciting month will be the one and only Miss Coletta Orr author of Cancer Doesn't Always Win. But before we get started, if you have a question or comment, um, please press the number one on your phone, and you'll be put in our queue. But ladies, um, I know you're there. Before we get, also, before we get started, we're going to open up in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down as humble servants, thanking you, Lord, for just our lying down, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for uprising to this day, a day we've never seen before. Also, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for just being able to celebrate the Christmas season. We are still in that season. It's just, it wasn't the day you were born, Heavenly Father, but the day that we celebrate you being born, knowing that three years later you will die on the cross for our sins, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for that, Lord. We ask your blessing upon those who are listening into this ministry of the man and the mayor, and also those who are listening on on demand, Lord. Bless everyone that listens to Miss Orr tonight, Lord. Help them learn. Help them also learn and pray that know that cancer doesn't always win, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our willingness to come on this show, Lord. And, Lord, for the rest of this night, let it be all. We want to give you all honor and glory. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. And, again, Carletta, we just welcome you on to the man in the mirror. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Excellent. And um, before we start, um, I'm going to give you guys some information about Ms. Orr, and then we're going to let her um, tell her her side of the story. One in eight women will develop breast cancer, and one in 67 will develop ovarian cancer. Serve as a, these statistics serve as a reminder of the many mothers, grandmothers, sisters, and friends who have endured the words, endured the words, you have cancer. Coletta Orr known firsthand this devastating effects of breast cancer, ovarian cancers, and ovarian cancers, having lost a grandmother and a great-grandmother to both, armed with years of research and the desire to understand the fight, desire to understand and fight the cancers that devastated her family, or seeks to educate others about ways to prevent and overcome both diseases. Cancer doesn't always win. A comprehensive guide for beating breast and ovarian cancer instructs readers on the causes and symptoms of both breast and ovarian cancers while providing valuable information. And I also want to give some other information about her. Coletta Brom Orr is an award, also an award-winning research scientist and a CEO of Coletta or an associate. Her interest is in educating women about early diagnosis and ways they can minimize the potential impact of breast and ovarian cancers on their lives. And without further ado, we will bring Ms. Orr back on. And Ms. Orr, we want you just to tell us again your story and how you got, you know, our, we call our um, mantra, real people, real stories, real overcomers. What brought you to this, again, what brought you to this part in your life where you want to educate women about ovarian and um, breast cancer? Okay. Um, Yeah, that's a a question I get all the time before I start speaking. They want to know the history, how I got in this uh, area of work. Um, But when it comes to educating women, um, I have been at the bench doing uh, breast and ovarian cancer research for a little over 15 years. So I understand the molecular dynamics behind the disease, but I want 
the people in the community to be able to understand what those things mean in layman's terms. I want to be able to communicate how they can prevent and live life after cancer in just a common way without it being so technical. So that's that's how I came to write the book. Okay. That's, that's so, a good thing because when people hear the word cancer, as you said, it's like, okay, it's the end. And they don't know what to do. And you said you had a grandmother and a great-grandmother that actually, in, you know, went through these things. Yes, yes. I actually, um, I was in high school when my grandmother got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And we had never heard of the disease before. So, you know, when she got diagnosed, we, we was totally shocked. She got diagnosed at 66, and about eight months later, Ooh. she passed away. Very, It was very aggressive, very fast. And, and during the time when she was sick, and I would go and sit with her, and I just remember her saying to me, um, why did all this have to happen to me? And for me, it resonated with me. And beyond high school, when I went to college, I wanted to find out why. What is this disease? I've never, I've never heard of ovarian cancer. I've heard of breast at that time, but never ovarian. So when I did decide to go, you know, to college and, and do biochem, I wanted to dive deep. What is this disease that took my grandmother away? So that's how mm-hmm. I got into research. Mm-hmm. Actually, and then that was your grandmother. What about your great grandmother? Right. So after after I graduated from undergrad, I moved to the Washington D.C. area to do research on ovarian cancer. I had at the time I okay. had no interest in breast cancer. I just wanted to understand ovarian cancer. So uh, when I got to Georgetown um, University Lombardi Cancer Center to do the research. And I started doing ovarian cancer research, and it brought me, it linked me to ovarian, to breast cancer. And I was like, every every research I did it always took me a connection with breast cancer. And at that time, that's when my mother told me, well, because my great-grandmother, she passed away before I was born. But my mom told okay. me that my great-grandmother passed away from breast cancer. I said, okay, it's a genetic link. My grandmother uh, had the genetic link from her mom, a mutation. And she, it was passed on, so that's how she she developed ovarian cancer through genetic mutation. So that's how I got into breast and ovarian cancer because it's genetically linked. And, and both my maternal grandparents, grandmothers, had both diseases. So basically, what you're telling us through ge- um, genetic mutation, it actually waits, it lies dormant, and then later on. Mm-hmm. It um, um, rises up, if that correct term. It just, you know, later on, like she was 66, as you said, your grandmother, and then mm-hmm. it just, once they found it, it was kind of late because she's a little older in life, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard to try to fight it at that stage because they didn't find it till late, till later. That's correct. Um, ovarian cancer, there is no uh, prevention um, maintenance that you can do for ovarian cancer, like breast cancer, you can get a mammogram. Um, you can get a sonogram. You can get different types of screens for the breast, but for your ovaries, there is no known screening for it. So most of the time when women, once they are diagnosed with disease, it's already in advanced stages. Hence, it's very difficult to treat at that point. So that's why it, met- it metastasizes a very fast-growing type of cancer. It grows faster than breast cancer. So it metastasizes quicker and it's hard to treat. So the mortality rate is much lower than breast cancer. Most definitely. And um, mm-hmm. another question I have: What can we tell um, our listening audience and those who may, you know, re-listen to this um, later? That um, as we go to doctors and get our checkups, sometimes we don't know the history. Mm-hmm. Shall I say it? Uh, the medical history of our family. So what is the most important way of making sure that young ladies and, you know, young women know how can they know and understand their history, their medical history, so they know that, okay, if my grandmother, my great-grandmother, or my great-grand, you know, you know, how can they actually make sure that they won't fall into the same cycle? If you say if they don't know the family history, or if they do know, right? The you know, or should I say how is, how important is it that they can try to okay. catch these things maybe early in life? Right, absolutely. Um, like you said, it's important in your family history. I I urge uh, a lot of uh, people that I speak with, like during the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, it's a great time when you get together with family to talk about these things. You know, if you never mentioned it before, it's a great time to mention. Um, 
you know, maybe some illnesses that your grandparents had or your parents or either on your mother or your father's side. So you can have your doctor, and if he can conclude that you are high risk, like myself, I would be considered, well, actually my mother's considered high risk because she's a first-degree uh, first relative because it was her mother and her grandmother. And for me, it was grandmother and great-grandmother. They're going to do things such as when it comes to mammograms, she can get a mammogram twice a year where the average person can only get one. So you will be tested twice. Um, when it comes to ovarian cancer, it's there is no method you can do, but you can request to get maybe like a biopsy every so often so they can just test for any cancer cells because they can't prevent or do it early on, but they can just like do a biopsy, check for a, a cancer cells, and just like give you a clean slate. But it's important to know so they can your doctor can put you on a different regimen than the average person because you are considered high risk. Wow. So, okay, so I was listening when you, and that is what you were just saying, and, and that is a bit scary. So mm-hmm. there's no, other than the biopsy there for ovarian cancer, there is no other way to mm-hmm. to find out, wow. Right, so, you just, uh, the symptoms you have, uh, and, and the thing with ovarian cancer, the symptoms are so skewed with other symptoms. You feel nausea, bloated, you mean, you can feel bloated. A lot of things, you can feel bloated for a lot of reasons, and you wouldn't think that, okay, this is ovarian cancer. It's, it's bloated, it's nausea. You can have back pain because it could be, you know, once a tumor starts to grow, you know, behind your pelvis, it would cause pain in your back. So it could be a lot of other reasons. And what the, what what an issue many people run into, the doctors start ruling out everything else. And, you know, while you go through all these testings and ruling out everything else, you have this situation still growing and you're not looking at it. I have what, what I always recommend people do, you have to have a good relationship with your doctor. My uh, my gynecologist, I have a good relationship with him. Any symptoms that you have over two weeks' time, then he needs to look a little bit deeper. I ask my doctor to work backwards front because because I have a family history. Many doctors, maybe they won't, I'm not sure, but I ask him to test those things first. Then you want to rule out the small things. I make him go backwards, then go forward to make sure he can rule out those things first. Okay, so if you're if you're having those um, symptoms mm-hmm. or the ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. I guess like what is or or is there any way to tell? Particularly like, you know, I may have eaten something today that didn't sit well with me as opposed mm-hmm. to I'm um, having this nausea or whatever on a mm-hmm. on a more constant basis. So would it be like that? I mean, how would you really know? Um, it's it just like you wouldn't really know. It's just any time you have any symptoms, symptoms for more than two weeks, like say if you ate something, you shouldn't have a symptom from something you ate for like more than two weeks, you know, if it's indigestion uh-huh. or just something that didn't sit right with your stomach or made you nauseous or you know, you might have had a bit of food poison or anything. It shouldn't mm-hmm. carry on over two weeks. You know, those type of right. things should subside, you know, over a few days, maybe a week. If it's going over 14 days, then they should look deeper. You shouldn't let it go three months, four months, and have it. I just had this pain in my side for the last past two, three months. I just don't know what it is. You should look at it closer. Just any symptom that you have over two weeks should be looked at closer. Okay. So there's more constant. For for that period, then that's something to look at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you are listening live with the man in the mirror with Hezekiah L. Montgomery and um, Michelle Johnson. We are talking live with Miss Coletta Orr, um, CEO of Coletta Orr and Associates, and also the author of a fantastic book that cancer doesn't always win because we're discussing, uh, we're talking about breast cancer uh, and um, ovarian cancer. And I just recently, a couple of years ago, had a friend whose mother died of cancer and her grandmother died of ovarian cancer within the same year. So, yes, and that's the scary thing, as you said, and that just made her think about trying to slow her life down um, and, um and stop some of the bad habits that she was doing. And I'm sorry, and if you guys want to call in, um, you can call in at 917-889-2271, 917-889-2271. And, Ms. Orr, my question is for you. Um, 
What are some of the bad habits that a lot of people do that may be like, Ken, is smoking, is drinking, is, you know, what are some of the things that we can actually alleviate out of our lives to give us or give, the you know, these women a better chance? Absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, um, drinking, um, alcohol is linked to increased risk of developing uh, breast cancer. Um, so if you can eliminate uh, alcohol out of your diet, it would be great, or definitely not more than two, well, one drink per day. No, Not more than one drink per day wouldn't have too much of an impact. And then also uh, smoking cigarettes. Smoking is linked to breast and ovarian cancer. So it's and to many other cancers. Smoking is just not good for many health reasons, lung cancer and, and oral cancers as well. Um, exercise, you know, you should really be exercising at least thirty minutes. I know it's tough. Everybody's busy. I mean, I have to squeeze it in my schedule. I have to squeeze it in my schedule as well. I try to get at least thirty minutes, you know, at least four days a week, just to get your heart rate up. I mean, it's, it's fast-paced walking, treadmill, elliptical. Just something to get your body moving. It make, it makes a world of difference in, in getting you know for people who getting diagnosed with these disease versus the ones that don't. Um, you also want to limit your fat intake. You know, you know diets high in fat. You know it, it increases the risk for developing uh, breast and ovarian cancer. Um, it's important to you know eat like vegetables, like fruits, vegetables, and the red meat, you want to, like, really cut down on that. Don't eat as much red meat. It's, very, it's not good for uh, uh, trying to prevent breast and ovarian cancers. And maintaining mm-hmm. a healthy body weight is, is also important. And I know a lot of people, you know, we all, I know I probably can afford to shed a few pounds, but it's important to keep the body weight down because even if someone who has been diagnosed with breast or ovarian cancer, maybe they're in remission, um, they live in life after cancer, you want to keep your body weight down because fat actually fuels. It, fat, fat has estrogen in it. Estrogen fuels cancer. It just like ignites it. So you want to keep your fat level down. It's very important. Uh, wow, that's new. You know, so after if someone has went through cancer and they survived mm-hmm. it, you're basically saying they still have to be careful because um, cancer can come back. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And fat helps. I mean, full of estrogen. That's what fat tissues are. It has excess estrogen in it. Estrogen just fuels it. You know, it just kind of like feeds it and makes it grow. So you want to keep your weight weight down, especially if you have are in remission and you are cancer-free. Once having cancer, you don't want to have it come back. And usually if you have a second bout of cancer, it's more aggressive than the first round of it. And you just actually introduced something that I said a few days ago. So um, I actually introduced you on a Monday's episode, and I know I messed up a few words because I'm not a scientist, and I kept trying to say it, but I felt like a, 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 a buffoon after I said all those words. But um, my mother in 1996 passed of cancer. She got it a couple of years before that she had cancer of the esophagus. So, mm-hmm. you know, she was a smoker and drinker majority of her life. And I actually helped her, you know, helped her through that bout of cancer. She went through radiation treatment, chemo, chemotherapy, um, chemotherapy first, and then the radiation, and then they did that. I'm not even going to try it because I don't want to sound like a bumbling fool again. But they um, basically, <laughs> yeah, I was I was fumbling on Monday, but um, I looked it up. They basically, um, you probably know it better than I do, they basically, you know, after the cancer shrunk, they cut it out. And then they just um, used part of her stomach and, you know, part and tied it to her esophagus and made made like a shorter food venture. So she had to eat smaller portions of food but eat more during the day. But Mm -hmm. um, long story short, yeah, she got through that battle, but she started, you know, gaining weight and getting, you know, getting back in life again. But unfortunately, you know, she started drinking a little here and there again, and I'm listening to everything you're saying, and it actually got into her lymph nodes. It came back, mm-hmm. but then it went to her lymph nodes. And after that, it was downhill. So, yeah, when I tell people, like as you're saying, cancer is not something to be messed with. You have to change your whole entire life. Mm-hmm. 
if you win that first bout with it because I know firsthand that if that second bout comes with it nine times a ten, you won't be able to make it. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely you know it's always in you know exclusion or exception. You know it, it can be someone have a second bout, and I mean I've known people that had had you know been in remission three and four times. It's always that possibility. You know, and I also know uh, a lady. She had breast cancer. She was a breast cancer survivor for eighteen years. And you know, and at that point, you get you get so used to not having it. Oh, that's something happened to me a long time ago. And a lot of times, women they don't go for their follow up. It's just like they mm-hmm. I don't know if they don't continue to get mammograms. You still have to get a mammogram. You still have to do those things once you're on the other side of cancer. Because for her instance, it didn't come back in her breast. It came back in her brain. Totally different. Mm-hmm. It just can open up in your body someplace else. It can it, it can start in your breast and it can come in your foot. It doesn't matter. It can, it can. It, you know, you, as long as you modify your lifestyle, you can reduce the risk of it coming back. But it's, you, you never escape from that if you've ever been diagnosed. You're going to always have to make every effort to stay cancer-free, every effort. Wow. And how does it move, you know, if you, like you said, it was an impression, then once you took care of that, um, how does it move so quickly and then end up in the brain? Well, it's it's not it's like it's not like it really moves. It's just like you have these mutations, you know. Say for instance, I'll try not to be too sciencey because that's what I try to get away from. I do this all day, so I don't want to talk about science and stuff. But it's kind of hard for me to explain it without even putting a little bit of science stuff so you can understand what I'm saying. But when you talk about gen- genetic mutations, when you have gene- a genetic mutation in your body. Um, it could be BRCA1, BRCA2. I'm, heard, I'm sure you heard of those terms before, breast cancer, a BRCA1 mutation, BRCA2 mutation. If you have those mutations in your body, if you test positive for mutations, that means you, you have a strong possibility of developing these diseases. It can come up anywhere. The BRCA mutation can be in your lung. The BRCA mutation can be anywhere in your body. It just because you have these cancer mutations in your body, it can show up anywhere. It, it doesn't like it, it moves. You have a mutation in your breast. You may have it in your head. You may have it in your lung. You can have a mutation anywhere. That could be the cause of it. Not that it just moves. It just pops up someplace else. You know, kind of like if someone has, like, faulty, have, like, wiring in the house. And, you know, if the wiring goes faulty, like, what happened? Like, it's faulty. Something is wrong with this. We need to find where the, the, the faulty link is in this wiring in this house. It's, like, in one spot. You know, and that's what it is. It's one mutation that's causing all this havoc in the body. Wow. Okay. So, so it is. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, and I was gonna say about the BRCA mutations because, like, my grandmother and uh, great grandmother had, you know, the breast ovarian cancer, which is genetically linked. I made sure my mom, because like I'm from, I'm from the South. I'm originally from South Carolina. I, I live in the Washington D.C. area now, um, but they don't have the best doctors in South Carolina. They don't. So I had to make sure after I discovered, you know, this genetic link. I knew my family history. I made sure my mom got to the appropriate doctors to get genetic testing done. Um, I have a, a good friend um, that and colleague that is um, University in Raleigh. I gave her a call and I asked her, you know, I told her, you know, she knows my family situation. She was, I said, I need you to, you know, just do a panel on my mom. I'm going to, I want to come down and check her out, whatever. So we did, we went to do, right. she did a panel on my mom, did a thorough check. I want her, I said, I need you to check everything, just to make check for any mutations, everything. She said, bring on down. We did. She was negative for all BRCA. She has no mutations. So because she has no mutations, that means I automatically do not have any mutations. But if you have a mutation, it doesn't mean that you're absolutely going to develop cancer. It just it means your risk increased by 60 or 80% from developing wow. disease. It doesn't mean that you will automatically get it. But if you are at risk and your doctor knows that you have these mutations, your insurance will cover you to get a mammogram maybe two or three times a year versus, like, the basic once, once, you know, once a year. You know, you can get more... Screening instead of doing a mammogram, they might they may want to do an ultrasound or an MRI, a, you know, a more closer look, you know, looking at these diseases. Wow, this is, this is really really good information, um, and you know, for all the the listeners, uh, even uh, for those who do tune in for the replay, 
you know, this is this is information that we really need to take and and use because, you know, I know when I've gone to my doctor, she asks, you know, family history kind of questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have, when you were speaking, I was like, okay, my grandmother is still alive, my mother is still alive, and I know their health issues. I have no idea about my grandmother or her mother. And I, and that's another question, like how far back do we need to go in family history? Like how how does that move through the family? Like if it's, if it's missed, like you were saying with you and your mom, if those things are missing from the last couple of generations, does that mean, you know, you're relatively safe or, you, you know, how far back should you go? Uh, when it comes to when you're looking at genetics, they like to look at the first and second mm-hmm. degree relative. Uh, like for me, my first you know degree relative will be my mom. My second right. degree relative is my grandmother. But for her, she had first and second degree. Her mom and her grandmother. You see what I'm saying? So for mm-hmm. me, it's my mom and my grandmother. It would be the same thing for you. Your mom, and your grandmother. That's what they're looking at first and second degree. Third and fourth degree relatives is just like it's it's further out of your pedigree. So they don't really look at those numbers. They look at the first and the second degree um, relative. And it is, you know, you may be, you can say you're safe from genetic mutations, but there's no one safe from cancer. There's it's no one. It's nothing that you can do, anybody can do and say, look, just do this exercise, eat this, and don't eat that, and you would never get breast ovarian cancer. That's not possible. It's nothing, right. it's nothing, it's no one thing that you can do to say you would never get these diseases. Yeah, wow. and we did hear earlier the the different risk factors like people who smoke and the red meat and and I think that's a really good one to bring back up because I guess I I heard that a long time ago but I haven't heard it lately like oh you might want to stay away from red meat you know mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know those things if if you had some form of cancer. Or if you have it in your family, I guess it's just safer to stay away from all of that. So, right. It's just just learning a new way to, a new lifestyle, a new way to live. Like I said, I'm from the South. I know about every type of country food that that you want to dream about, born and raised. I I totally get it. The bacon, everything. Processed food, it's not, it's just not good. You're getting me hungry over here. It's not well, good, no, but I had to. No, I was going to say, can we speak on that for a second? Because, the you know, we were talking about that not long ago, like all the processed foods and the chemicals that are in the foods and how um, instances of cancer, to me, it seems to have increased. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you think about, uh, you know, many years ago, like when our grandparents or great-grandparents, um, when they grew up, um, it it doesn't seem like cancer was as prevalent as it is now. You know, they eat homegrown food. They grow their vegetables out of the ground themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have chicken or something, you know, they raise their chickens themselves. They feed them their grains themselves. They don't have to worry about them going through this fast process and, you know, all kind of things like that. I, I even talk to my mom now. She she even says, like, if she goes to the store and buy chicken to come home and fry it, chicken doesn't even fry up the same way like it used to. It doesn't even fry like a yard chicken would fry. It's just like totally different eating like processed food. So you want to eat like more natural food, more vegetables. I know it sounds cliche, but it's just so important because there's like so much stuff in this food now. It is not like it used to be, you know. Breast cancer is more prevalent now. People, of course, you know, pass away, you know, many years from breast cancer just like now. But it's more incidents in breast cancer now, way more than it was 20 years ago. I know uh, we're about to go to break um, shortly, but it looks like we do have a caller who wants to uh, ask a question or make a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so caller ending in number 3330. Again, that's caller ending in number 3330. You are live on the air. Do you have a question or comment for Coletta Orr? Yes, definitely. First of all, I want to say um, congratulations on the the um, feature and being on, um, you know, Man in the Mirror. This is an awesome show. Um, the question I have for you, 
Um, what's been the most rewarding part about your journey? Um, and and the the work you do seems to be informing our community, trying to let them know of the um, the dangers of cancer and really trying to get them to do the preemptive things so they better their chances of not having cancer. So um, what's been the most rewarding part about your journey thus far? Um, yeah, the most rewarding part of my journey, I think, is actually being able to write this book. Write this book so people can understand, they can have a resource to understand that there are things they can do to reduce the risk of developing these diseases. It's things that they can do to live life, um, get back to their new normal after cancer. I think the most rewarding influence beyond this book, um, I met a, a, a lady, she probably was about 55 years old, I was in uh, Target, and we came. We started talking. She realized I was. I did research. We got to that conversation, and she said, "Oh wow, um, uh, my my mother, my grandmother, and my sister passed away from breast cancer. And this lady has uh. never had a mammogram, and she had three uh. close relatives: sister, mother, and grandmother died from breast cancer. I got her number. I called her the next day. I made the appointment for her, and I followed through it and made sure she got a mammogram and got a clean bill of health because I was just floored by the fact." that she had so many relatives with this disease and never had been tested in her life. And she was maybe like 56, 57 years old. For me, that was rewarding because that's making a difference. You have to be able to go in the trenches and make a difference besides being at the bench. I've been at the bench many years behind the scenes doing research, come out in the community to make a difference because people don't get the science stuff. I get it because I've studied it for many years. The average person don't understand the language. I want to be able to speak the language to the people to the people in a way that they can understand it and they can make tangible changes in their life. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you for that effort and, and just applaud your mission to inform the community because we need more of our people and, and not just our community but the world at large to get involved and, 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 and help be that, that um that force or that factor to help push people to get the help that they need and to um, steer them in the right direction because this this opportunity of life is truly a gift and it's a short window. And um, we all should be doing all that we can to make sure that we each are living the best quality of life that we are able to achieve. So once again, thank you for this very great information and happy holidays and happy new year to you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you to our caller. Uh, you are listening live, and I definitely want to thank um, Ms. Um, Orr for that part of hers because she's basically, this is your ministry. It's not many people, um, before we go to break, um, it's not many people that will do what you just said. You just nonchalantly having a conversation, you started talking, and then within minutes or within a time of that conversation, You've seen this woman had a need, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus said he met the needs. He didn't go around looking for this and that. He met the needs where they were at. He seen the people that were hungry with the feeding of the 5,000. He knew they were hungry, so he met their needs. And and I commend you for that because you don't hear too many people say, well, look, I'm going to go set you up with an appointment, make sure you don't have three people that died. Let me make sure you're okay. You went right. over and beyond the call of duty, and I applaud you for that because it's, I've never heard of anyone like you that would say, I need to set you up immediately because we right. got to make sure that you are okay. So, right. again, I applaud you for that. But you. Um, you guys you. are listening live. You're welcome. You're listening live with Amanda Mayor with your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, and co-host, Michelle Johnson. You can call in, and I do thank my caller, I call her again for calling in because, we, you know, we appreciate all of you. Um, you can call in at 917-889-2271. That's, again, 917-889-2271. We're about to take a break. Um, also, I'm sorry, you can um, tune in on the air at WW, on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the man in the mirror. And a note um, from a, few, a couple of our supporters, Music Instruction for All Learners, Inc., where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction, such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, contact us at 888-501-8650 extension 778 that's again 
501-8650, extension 778. Um, you can call and talk to our structures, set up an appointment. And please um, visit us on our new website at www.mif, as in Frank, A-L-I-N-C, mefal.org, at www.mefalinc.org. Another sponsor is the Curvy Boss Project. Curvy Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full-figured women. Curvy chicks are boss chicks, too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curvy Boss Project and their website at www.curvyboss.com. And, Michelle, do you have um, any more information as pertaining to the Curvy Boss Project? Yes, we uh, are still carrying out the Curvy Boss uh, GoFundMe, and uh, you can find that at GoFundMe uh, slash Curvy Calendar. And we are uh, doing this in order to do a full-figured women's calendar, uh, just as a way to instill confidence in full-figured women. And also, uh, we are trying to start a mentorship program for our full-figured young ladies. So we are still doing that, and you can find us on GoFundMe under Curvy Calendar or Curvy Boss Project. Excellent. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will get Ms. Orr's um, contact information so we make sure everybody will be able to contact her and how to get a copy of her book. Um, We will be back momentarily, and we want you guys to continue enjoying yourself on The Man in the Mirror.
are back live with the man in the mirror with our fantastic guest this evening who's hitting up the end of our Celebrating Authors this Christmas season 2015, the fantastic person in the name of Miss Carletta Orr, author of Cancer Doesn't Always Win. And we've been having a exciting an exciting conversation with Miss Orr. If you'd like to call in and ask her any questions or comment, you can call in at 917-889-2271. Again, that's 917-889-2271. Or log in to our chat room um, with through www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the man in the mirror. And, uh, Ms. Orr, we just want to thank you again for coming on. Please give our listening audience the contact information for you and how they can get a copy of your book. Absolutely. Um, you can actually get a copy of the book uh, from my website, uh, ColettaOrr.com. Um, it's available at Barnes & Nobles, Amazon.com. Uh, and my contact information is... Um, Coletta at ColettaOr.com. Uh, you can reach me at ColettaOr at Gmail. I'm on Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is um, When Breast Cancer Meets Ovarian Cancer. Um, that's a community where uh, I share information about the prevention of both diseases. Um, we talk about life after cancer, and it's a lot of uh, breast and ovarian cancer survivors that's on that page and, you know, people that have been impacted by disease on that page. I think I have over, like, 2,600 people on that page, so that's a good page to follow. And also, um, I'm on Instagram. It's at Coletta Orr, and the same for Twitter, uh, at Coletta Orr. Excellent, excellent. And we do appreciate you give us that information because I know there's going to be pretty uh, plenty of people who's going to listen later on and want to know, you know, how they can get that information and how they can contact you. And again, I applaud you. Um, before we took our break, you told us about how you found someone and, you know, just talking nonchalantly, and you end up helping her, making sure she got her mammogram and make sure she had a clean bill of health. Again, there's not too many people that will do that. And But, again, you are doing your ministry because, you know, many people understand when you're in a position as yourself, that is your ministry. You are here to help other people, You're, you know, it's like you die to yourself and you make sure that, that you know, other, any other person would say, oh, okay, and kept it moving. But you didn't mm-hmm. do that. You went over and beyond the call of duty. And I know you have a friend for life in that person. And she's yeah, probably telling other people about you. Yeah, that's, that's, what we, that's what we have to do. Because like I said, you know, there's nothing we can do to prevent, to, well, there's nothing we can do to guarantee that we will never get this disease. But it's just so important that if if you do get the disease, early detection, because despite the numbers I tell you uh, how many people get diagnosed, how many people die, there are still right now 2.3 million breast cancer survivors in the United States right now. So we are making strides. And it, it is things you can do to continue to live. It's just education. She just didn't know. Obviously, she just didn't know. Right. And once I gave her the information and sh- and showed her how she can get it done for free, she followed through. You know, she just didn't know. Amen, amen, amen. And um, Michelle and I were having a sidebar. You said that there is no early diagnosis for ovarian cancer. But my question, and I you know, went over with her, is there will be in the near future, in the near gateway, you know, with modern technology, I'm surprised that there is none. But do you think in the near future is are are the scientists working on that right now? They are actually. Uh, they're working. Uh, I think it's really overseas, like in the UK or Japan. They're actually working on a screening that they can do. Uh, it's like a blood test screening along with um, uh, ultrasound. They can, they're going to use the data from both testing to be able to project the possibility of developing this disease. It's almost, it's, 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 of course, it's different than a mammogram. With a mammogram, you can clearly see if a tumor is there. But they are coming up with a blood test that if you have these certain proteins in your blood, um, long-term, they can, it's a high possibility that you will develop this disease, and then you can kind of corner it off that way. So it, it is in the works. Okay. 
because, uh, you know, as um, you said, you had a family member. I also had a family member. She was, like, in her early 40s a few years mm-hmm. back. Um, she had passed of ovarian cancer. And, I, you know, that, it was hard to see because you, a, a parent should not be bearing their child. A mm-hmm. grandmother should not be bearing their grandchild. But, unfortunately, with these diseases today, it is extremely hard and difficult to say that that's not going to happen. Years ago, we used to say that, you know, the children bear the parents. But with so many cancers, as you're talking about breast cancer and ovarian cancer, sometimes the script that we think that we should be following through life is flipped. And when that script is flipped, you have a mother and a grandmother burying the child. Mm Mm-hmm. So these questions right. that we're um, this information that we're learning tonight is like, okay, she's forty. How did that happen? She's in a prime of her life. Kids, grand, just had a grandchild. So, but how does that happen? But you're giving us the information right now, and it's like that's a test that we're not ready for or don't have any information about. Hey, this is what you have. This is what you need to prevent it. But as you said, they're working on it overseas right now. Right. You know, in other countries, they're working over some kind of how should, detection, basically. Mm-hmm. All you can do is try to detect it or early detection to try to prevent it. And, again, there's no, we, you know, you talk about cancer, people say try to change your diet. That can help. Mm-hmm. But basically what you're saying, telling us tonight, and I want everybody to pay attention, is that as you're changing your diet, that may not be the one thing. that. And I want you to repeat that so they'll know that what's the best way besides early detection as the healthy living for those who haven't heard that part. Okay. Um, like I said, you, you, know, you have to change your diet, your exercise. It's, it's, it's many variables that it's going to place in order to, you know, to make your possibility of developing these diseases low. It's not just one thing that you can do. And like I always tell everybody, it's just important to be able to look in your family history because it definitely can show you your future based on your history of your family's health. It's, a, it's very important to know those things because when you know those things, then your doctor can do more besides eating healthy, besides exercising. They can do things more. They can have you do more. They can look more closely at things. Like when I go to my doctor, I'm it's always in the forefront of my mind. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for these things. You know, when you talk about your cousin that was 40 years old with ovarian cancer, okay, if you go into the doctor between 35 and 40 and you have pains like that, the first thing a, a OBGYN is looking for is a baby because you're at child parent ages. You're having problems. You're getting bloated. You haven't get well, maybe she's pregnant because, of course, your cycle is going to be off. Is your ovulation, your ovaries have to do with ovulation. Your ovulation is when your cycle comes on. So if you have an ovary problems, your cycle's gonna start not coming on and things like that. The first thing he's gonna try to think, oh maybe she's pregnant. Then when they rule out pregnancy, then they're gonna look at uh, a thyroid. So they're gonna rule out everything else. So when you're under forty, they're looking for everything else besides cancer. But cancer cause, because cancer is an old person's disease. You see what I'm saying? So they have to be able to rule those things out and don't forget your ovaries and other things that could be causing these problems. I like what you said when you say cancer is an old person's disease, but it's not. That's what everybody's thinking. No young people are getting it and dying from it as well. But Mm -hmm. um, we just have to keep that at the top of our mind that, Cancer has no respect to person. That's all. You know that could be something else. Someone say cancer has no respect to person because it's not saying okay, it's, we're just going to get the old people. No, young people are dying from it as well. Um, as we're winding down, Michelle, do you have um, any more comments or questions? Yes, actually, I I had perused through your um, Facebook page. That you had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Are you in trouble now? And she didn't look through your Facebook page. <laughs> Stalker. Well, no, but you know what? No, I just I actually just wanted you to, <laughs> I just wanted you to uh, bring out a couple of the things that I saw there, which I think are, are uh, very important as well. 
um, if you could just chat about them for a second. One of them, or what, one of them, was that I was perusing through and saw the uh, article about the the gentleman that got breast cancer as well. And so I know, you know, that's been coming more to the forefront lately. Mm-hmm. But um, I just wondered if you could speak on that. And I think the percentage is low, if I'm correct. But um, you know, just wanted you to speak on that. And the other thing was uh, I saw an article in reference to um, I think it was called triple, like triple, triple threat, breast, triple triple negative. Thank you, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is, like, I, <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> so if you could just shed some light on, on those two things, I think that would be great. Okay, sure. Um, um, in regards to uh, men with breast cancer, and, and you're right, the percentage is low. It's like 1%, uh, but actually it's 2,320 men uh, get the, get diagnosed with breast cancer every year. So that's still quite a bit, 2,000 men, I and mean, they're not looking for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Men don't they don't they don't go for mammograms. That's not a part of their regimen like it is for us. Only time a man goes for a mammogram is when he already has symptoms. And most of the time, when he has symptoms, he's in stage three or four because he's not checking wow. his breast like we are. Uh, and the thing about men breast tissue, uh, the, the tissue that's in a, a man's breast is about the equivalent to a young girl that hasn't went through pre- puberty yet. It's, it's breast tissue there. It's just like a young girl that hadn't reached puberty, just like a very young girl, like maybe a 10-year-old or something like that. They have the same breast tissue as that level or whatever. So they can develop breast cancer, and they do develop breast cancer, but it is harder to treat in them because they usually catch it in stage three or four. They're not catching it in stage one. Because stage one, you can't even see it. It sits like on the top of a pencil. So they, they're not getting a mammogram. So how would they know it's there? So they wouldn't know, you know. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a harder fight for men in breast cancer than, than women in most cases. So do you, on the offhand, do you know, like, the survival rate since they, you know, kept it so late usually? Well, you know what? It would be exactly the same as women in stage three or four. It's the same. It's the same type of cancer. It's just male, female. It doesn't impact them any less. I mean, the survival in three, four, say four. Okay, once you talk about stage four, you already metastasized outside of the breast. That means it's in, it's in another organ, so it's it's already spread. So the rate, the cancer rate at that point, the survival rate is low in, in any stage four. Stage three. Um, that means it's, it's like covered the entire breast and probably maybe the outer area of the breast. But stage four means it's metastasized. It's been left the breast and went someplace else in the body because it's been so it hadn't been found. It just was growing and growing and growing. That's what it means. So it would be the same. I mean, I can't say exactly, you know, depending on the state of their health or whatever, what the survival rate would be, but it would be much lower than any other stage. It would be low because you don't know if, in stage four, you don't know how uh, they're they're going to re- the cancer is going to respond to the chemotherapy at that point. It's very aggressive at that point. So you're giving the radiation and chemotherapy, you don't know how it's going to respond. It might be really stubborn and not responding like it should. Then it's going to just keep growing. So it just it just depends at that point. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and you asked about oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's the triple negative. Uh, triple negative. Uh, triple negative breast cancer is definitely uh, much more aggressive and, and it's more known to be found in African American women. Um, triple negative is is uh, let me see how can I say it's it's triple negative. It's like the estrogen. It's like it's triple negative. Usually, when you have cancer, you'll have a negative, positive, negative. But when you have triple negatives, like three negatives, like that, it's harder to treat because everything is negative. If that makes any sense. It's very hard to treat. Okay. That's like a very aggressive cancer, too. Triple negative, it doesn't respond to um, radiation very well. Usually what they have to do, um, like the chemo, they usually have to make cocktail. And when I say cocktail, they have to put in like three or four different types of chemo and make it one potent to try to shrink the tumor. So this triple negative is not wow. responding to anything. Yeah, it's not responding to anything. And that doesn't mean stage four. That could be stage one, stage two. It's because it's triple wow. negative. It does. It's not responding to the the average medication, so they have to make a, a special cocktail 
and everybody tripping, they could be different. So they're just like trying this, they're going to try this, and then they will find something. Okay, yeah, this is shrinking this tumor. So they'll stick with that. And then sometimes they have to add something else to continue to shrink the tumors. So that's what triple negative is. Triple negative is like, it's, that's a rough form of breast cancer. That's, that's, it's, it's pretty tough to have triple negative. It's hard to treat. And and like we were actually talking about earlier, that it's not just affecting the older women. Um, it was stating that this kind is more common in or most common in young women and African-American, as you said. So I guess for our listening audience, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Right, absolutely. Okay. Well, we just thank you for all of this information. This has been a super informative show. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. I'm no, glad definitely. I was able to come we, on. We, oh, we were. I was excited. I couldn't wait because I said, yeah, we're going to say the best for last, but I may get in trouble for that. So, But um, <laughs> we had an exciting month. But you didn't hear that from me. We had an exciting month for all of these dynamite authors, you know, Definitely, thank you, Miss um, Orr. Um, you're a doctor of physics, correct? I am actually in my dissertation phase right now. My doctorate. I should be done in eight months. I'll be finished my doctorate. Hey, we we talking to a pre-doctor right now. Okay, fine. Right. She, she does, I kept wanting to Doctor Orr. <laughs> we we've known her. Once she get that doctor, she may get that famous, and we may not be able to keep up with her then. But um, that'll never be the case. <laughs> We thank you, we thank you, and we thank you for coming on. And now you are definitely, you know, you're in trouble now. You're definitely part of the Man and the Mara family. This has been a wonderful interview, very informative, as Michelle said. And we appreciate you, we appreciate you, and appreciate you. Um, if you have any questions for uh, Ms. Coletta or she has given her information, I will I let her give her information one more time. Be careful, Michelle, because she maybe start stalking you because she found <laughs> you now. But um, um, just give our listening audience your information again so they will definitely, because they definitely, you know, those young women who think that, you know, it's not going to happen to them, you, you, you can't be too careful. Right, absolutely. Um, you can reach me um, on my website at colettaor.com. Uh, you can email through me through my website. Um, you can find me on my Facebook page um, when breast cancer meets ovarian cancer. Um, I'm on Twitter every day at colettaor, and I'm also on Instagram at colettaor. So you can find me in any of those places, and I'll be glad to answer any questions that you may have. Excellent, and we appreciate that. Um, you can also go to my website at www.hezekiahlmontgomery.com um, for any more information. And we're still doing the fundraiser for Rediscovering Kai the Play. Everything's been tweaked. I've actually did a new makeover of the book, so I've been busy as well. I, you know, I would thank, and I want to thank again, um, Tashina Davis of Purposely Creative Publishing for helping set all this up with her authors because you guys again were wonderful this was a month that you know people have been listening asking questions re-listening and just for all the support and again miss Orr, we just want to thank you michelle i want to thank you for all the work you've done because it's been a busy month but we you know we kept this thing going you know you know she was wondering if i was going to do a christmas night now we're going to do it on saturday night you know it's kind of hard to get people to want to do anything today after the holiday after they've eaten all that food but we made it happen. Yeah. And Ms. Orr, again, thank you. Thank you, guys. And um, for my caller who called in, we thank you for calling in. This has been a great show. This is Hezekiah L. Montgomery signing off, and I'll see you at the mirror. And I'm going to end this episode with some exciting music so we can keep this holiday season going. time you're riding down the road in your car, sing this to the Lord. You'll get where you're going much faster. Come. Let us. Kneel down before him. Worship and adore him. Let us come let us adore.
Yeah. We 